0: Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, Ten volumes available in paperback ebook and Kindle format at Amazon. And folks, I'm just wrapping up volume ten in audio book, so stay tuned. It should be out very, very soon. And if you are an audio f- audio file or an audio buff, you can get volumes one through nine currently at Audible Amazons and iTunes iTunes as well. So please, take advantage of that. And you can also go on YouTube. Uh, if you like what you hear, subscribe. You could download or listen to the episodes on there and uh, subscribe, and you'll be doing me a solid, man. Can you dig it? And now, without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host... KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm uh, doing all right, Bill. How about you? Marvelous, marvelous. You know, you and I were just kicking around before we came on the air about the New York Giants
1: victory. The comeback. Yeah. Very, very. the Arizona very... Cardinals. Amazing comeback. <laughs> it's good to see the Giants can actually score a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well,
0: you know, I mean,
1: uh I don't know if you heard it in the beginning of the game. They were like, "Okay, so uh, you know, the other team other teams in the first two games have scored 56 points and the Giants have scored nothing or something like that." <laughs> yeah, like, that
0: was that's pretty oh sick goodness. Goodness. to hear, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we could get a bunch of blokes together and suit up and uh, have a shot
1: at a point. I uh, you know, a point, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe you poke somebody in the eye or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, a couple of eye gouges and uh, you know, a few unseen penalties. You know,
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, but it's good. They got the victory. All right. Yeah. No. We're now on it. to we're- creepy things.
0: Yes, we love creep. <laughs> so, what do you have in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment for
1: today's show? We're going to chat about a creature called Kushtaka. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. I know
1: you know Kushtaka. Yeah. I think he lives next door. Yeah.
0: Kushtaka is actually a friend of mine.
1: (laughs) But I know you know of the Kushtaka. Yes, uh, yes. This Kushtaka is really, really interesting. So, you know, it it comes from uh, the Pacific Northwest, of course, the legend. And uh, more specifically, a lot of the sightings and a lot of the legend come from some of the native people up in southeast Alaska called Mm -hmm. the Tlingit, Mm T-L-I-N-G-I-T. Okay. And interestingly enough, Bill, I know like you and I, uh, not tonight, but not prior to this, but... Uh, in the weeks prior, we've been talking about the new episodes of Expedition Bigfoot, which are pretty darn good this year. Yeah. And they take place on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. Yeah, and, and I've had
0: a, I've had a number of accounts uh, come in from uh, Prince of Wales
1: uh, Island. Yeah, and by the way, it looks fantastic. You know, all kinds of wildlife there, these big wolves that apparently... Don't exist anywhere else in the world or aren't known to exist anywhere else in the world except for there. Um, but this, uh, uh, you know, native people called the Tlingit, they have some big legends about the Kushtaka. Mm-hmm. And the Kushtaka are, um, you know, the, so the legends have been around for hundreds of years and they, they seem to be a bit of a shape shifting creature. Mm-hmm. But what they shapeshift from is probably most interesting. So the the legend is that they shapeshift from a, being a sea otter, which, of course, are all over the place up in uh, southeastern Alaska. And they're pretty big sea otters. I know you, you think of not, not Kushtakas, but generally the sea otters I've seen in Alaska are like five, six feet long. So they're big.
0: Big yeah, critters.
1: That's a, that's a big critter, man, yeah, for an otter. Big critters. And uh, and and they're also, you know, they look like they're super cute. Again, I don't mean Kushtakas, I mean sea otters. And they do look <laughs> super cute. But they're also known to be pretty vicious as well. I guess they will defend uh, their
0: territory, you know, or if you
1: try to get close to them, you exactly, know. Exactly, exactly. But these, these kushtaka, so the legend of kushtaka, these these legends say that these things will take on a look of humans, identical humans at times, and try to lure real humans into trouble. Mm. And Where have we heard that before? Exactly. Exactly. So they actually talk about it, the fact that like if you're walking down the street, uh in the Tlingit Nation, um, people will be nervous if you see, like, four or five people walking together that you don't know, even though they, you know, look like they belong in the setting, because it could be shape-shifting Kushtaka. Isn't that freaking weird? Totally weird. That
0: Could you picture walking around the streets of New York, or where you live, or anywhere, any metropolitan area? And having that on your mind, that the people coming the other way may not be real people? Well, honestly, when I
1: walk around New York, I do feel that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I know I'm not alone. (laughs) Touche, man. Yeah, when somebody comes walking at you with their hair colored four different colors... And their pants are dropped around their boxer shorts. You, you wonder.
1: <laughs> hey, you said it. I didn't. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I say a lot of things.
1: Don't worry about it. <laughs> but get this, too, though. When they are, are turning into my words, not the research words, but kind of like the monster form, they also take, turn into a version of a hairy humanoid that has like the features of a sea otter. So picture like a seven, six or seven foot tall beast with like the face and snout and teeth of a sea, sea otter, which at that size would be vicious looking. Oh,
0: it'd be Bigfoot like looking as well, right? Yeah, and no sea otters have nasty little fangs as oh, I. Oh, they're call
1: nasty them. little critters. I mean, you know, they're yeah. cute and cuddly, but you know, you wouldn't want a cute and cuddly with them because the thing would bite your face off. especially if it thought you had a couple of oysters in your pockets (laughs) and who doesn't like oysters you can't blame them (laughs) exactly and then of course the legend up there is that these kushtaka become sea otters because the sea otters are all over the place so right it's a way of them being blending in in plain sight Okay. So that's why. Now what yeah, a, oh, a
0: lot of the a lot of the shapeshifter legends uh outside of that particular area and uh, uh by the way, I think it's the Kushkata.
1: Okay, well it's K-U-S-H-T-A-K-A. So Oh it is Kushtaka. Yeah. Kushtaka. Okay. But it could uh, be spe- it could be pronounced differently. Yeah, who knows? But it's you know all me, good. I'm one of those but- freaks walking down the street. <laughs> Who says I could say anything properly? <laughs> but, you know, the shapeshifter
0: uh, in other ports, like let's in other point, uh, places, like, uh, for instance, the you went to base Skinwalker. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that is a common shapeshift is that of a wolf. Yes. So it's interesting how there are wolves on... Uh, Prince of Wales Island and other places in Alaska. But
1: with this creature, they're saying the sea otter. Sea otter. Yeah, 100%. Very weird. But what's also very interesting, and I know you've been watching, Bill, as I mentioned, um, you know, uh, Expedition Bigfoot this season here in 2023. Um, But, you know, the last couple episodes when they're in the woods exploring, and of course, uh, they they talk about that lumber camp that was abandoned that yeah. partially brought them there, but mm-hmm. you hear the, you, you know you hear the screams of what sounds like a woman in the forest, yeah. and yeah. they actually filmed it. I think it was the last episode, right? Several yeah. times yeah. while well, they were out there, you heard this, and I you know like I've said before on this <clears> podcast, <throat> I expected to hear coyote. Because, you know, when I hear coyotes around my house, boy, they sound like somebody's getting murdered in the driveway. Mm-hmm. But these sounded different than coyotes, you know. Yeah, a little different blend of a scream. A little different blend of a scream or a much different blend of a scream. So I yeah. was kind of like, huh, oh, what the heck is this? And then when I started reading about Kushtaka, I was like, wait a minute, this, you know, and, and again, we're right there at Prince of Wales Island, where this legend exists. Now, and Kev, you know,
0: again, give me your thoughts on this, because I always kick this stuff around. How is it that any people, sane people, living their lives, harvesting food, trying to stay alive, dealing with the pressures in their own world, how is it they would suddenly, at some point, generate, not only generate such a fable, if it's a fable, but then keep it going and speak of it and teach it as serious business? Yeah, well, of
1: course, the the background for many of these legends is the old like Hansel and Gretel. You know, don't go into the woods because there's a witch in the woods that'll put you in the oven and cook you. Yeah, you know, and it helps, keeps kids around the village, around the town, which I believe that to be true. But, you know, some of this stuff goes on and on and goes over the top.
0: You know yeah, well, I mean? now you're talking about adults
1: wondering if the people come the other exactly. way down the street. Exactly, So, get this. So, if you were up there on Prince of Wales Island, and it's pretty interesting because... You know, Expedition Bigfoot, they do have a couple of armed guards with them this season for the first time. At least they say it's the first time. You know, so there's guys in the background with high-powered rifles. Uh, but, you know, I've been up there, not not Prince of Wales Island, but very close to there, and the grizzlies are all over the place, yeah. let alone those huge wolves. Yeah, um, I've seen the wolf tracks on the beach up there, but I've seen the grizzlies up close, and they are nothing to mess with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: So so what's interesting, though, is all of the legends of Kushtaka say that they're terrified of dogs. So the Tlingit people pretty much don't go anywhere without a dog. Oh, that's interesting. They say that the dogs can sense, you know, if it's one of these shapeshifters and they go wild. Mm -hmm. And these uh, Kushtaka know that the dogs can sense them so they oh. avoid them so it's pretty wow interesting. that's interesting but i was also thinking like here they are you know on expedition bigfoot they got the armed guards but they don't have a dog with them you know they could have a, a really well-trained dog right
0: that's well it. you could unless you were uh, of the mindset that the dog might adversely affect your ability to investigate
1: Absolutely, could could scare yeah. the bigfoot away, right? Yeah, or
0: just make it stand offish, yep. or maybe smell it, or start barking and yep. shoo it away. You know, yep. so I get that end of it. You know, but
1: it is interesting. They say that's the best way to defend yourself is uh, to have a dog with you. And hmm. when the dog starts acting up, watch out for the uh, giant sea otter. Yeah, well, my friend
0: Kelly. In Oregon, uh, when he had been uh, attacked in his trailer uh, in the Salmonberry Canyon, 1985, I believe, he uh, was involved in uh, cutting down boughs off of uh, pine trees for Christmas decor. Mm -hmm. And he had a big dog. Uh, The dog was out with him and the dog used to lay under the tree uh, I guess, smart enough to stay close enough to the trunk where it knew it was out of range of him flinging, flinging branches down. Yeah. And uh, he said that the dog uh, started behaving strangely, whereas instead of resting while she he was up in the trees, it started to, like, stand guard and look around, which was unusual behavior for it. Uh, And this was prior to when his trailer got attacked. So that dog must have sensed, maybe even seen something that he didn't see. Yeah. So dogs are that way. You know, they are very sensitive uh, creatures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Both in, in hearing, the sense of smell. Uh, and who knows what else they can do that we are completely unaware of because they can't tell us, you know? Very cool. You know. But uh, Kushtaka, what a crazy thing. Now, has anybody been attacked by the
1: Kushtaka? Any reports? Yeah, I couldn't find, like, an account of someone that ran into it. You know, you hear people talking about it, like, more of legendary Mm-hmm. like folklore but not an account. I'm not saying they don't exist. I couldn't yeah. find one. So folks, a- you know, if you know of any, I know you will, send them my way. Yeah,
0: and you know there's a lot of people that disappear up that way. Oh yeah. And uh that's just a given. That's like you don't hear about that on local news here on Long Island. But because we don't hear about it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. We hear what they want well, us to Alaska, hear. Well, in Alaska,
1: you know, Bill, you, you know, having researched it and gone up there and been in some of the wild places in Alaska, not that all of Alaska is not pretty wild, um, there's a lot of people in Alaska that want to be, that want to disappear too. Yeah. And I'm not no, saying no, no. people don't disappear because of foul play, for sure. But also because all those other people are up there that want to disappear and did disappear, you know they can get away with the foul play as well. So it is a, it is a little bit of scary place. It's definitely, you know, very very a very very in the wild place. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: if we jump back a page to uh, Portlock again, where all of those villagers who were in that community. Uh, Close to three dozen people and uh, over a dozen hunters uh, disappeared, and some of them were found uh, uh, dismembered and yeah. whatnot floating in the creek. And what, you know, this man, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. You yeah. Know?
1: I mean, I told you the story when we went up the summer before the pandemic, um, and, you know, we flew in in a bush plane out into the wilds to camp with guides with the bears who were salmon fishing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we landed and the guide met us at the plane. We landed on the beach, you know, in this bush plane with uh, the four-foot tires on it, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. rolling down the gravel with the water on the left and uh, the dunes on your right in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we stopped... There were two guards there with shotguns. One with a shotgun, one with a rifle. The guy with the shotgun ended up being our guide. He had eight, you know, big slugs mm-hmm. uh, in there, so it wasn't buckshot, mm-hmm. and that was his weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. And But they met us right at the plane while we were walking from the plane to the tents, and right. I thought it was like overkill, you know, like, well, why do you need guns right here? The plane just landed. And then we went over to the camp and went out behind the camp to the little uh, river there. And we could see the bears feeding, but they were hundreds of yards away. And Mm -hmm. they did that intentionally, like to get us used to them, used to the bears, hundreds of yards away. And then we went back closer to the tents where the planes landed. And there were huge grizzlies, like within 25 feet of us. 25 feet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I brought this, uh, you know, 600-millimeter uh, lens on my single-lens single, single lens reflex uh, digital camera, and then I got a 2X magnifier, you know, so I could zoom in on the bears. And I took most of the pictures I took with my iPhone. Yeah. Because I was fine. too close. I was too close. Yeah. Like, the camera wouldn't work. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it's I had this amazing. I big
1: telescopic lens, and the bears are 25 feet away. yeah. You know, so they're there, right? They're all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, right there. Right there. You know, there. that's why they were right there with their guns. Oh, yeah.
1: And, I mean, do people get hurt? Of course they do. You know, do mm-hmm. people disappear and we never hear about them? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. hmm Very. So <coughs> that is Kushtaka.
0: <coughs> yeah, pardon me. I just hit the, uh, the uh, mute button on the phone. I had an unexpected... Uh, cough (laughs) but uh yeah very interesting man what a freaking monster yeah and there's no end to the i shouldn't say there's no end there probably is an end but the uh stories and the tales and the testimonies keep coming in and i'll tell you one I, i got something real interesting here uh came to me from a fella named Billy. He also goes by the name of Tex Wesleyan, uh, a native of the state of Texas. And uh, this is what happened while he and his friend were jogging on the power lines. Great place to jog, right, Kev? And where were they, Bill? In Texas. In Texas, okay. So they went out. Now, this was late in the summer of 2013, uh Texas says, uh, which is still quite hot in these parts, my friend David and I were out for a run late in the afternoon, and the day was beginning to cool down a bit. Our habit was to go over to the power lines cut and put in a few miles for exercise. This day was no different than a hundred other days that we had been there. In that we would run down the length of about a dozen towers or more, depending on how on how we felt, turn around, and head back to the truck. It was generally a tranquil location, except for another runner or two, occasionally, and sometimes a dirt bike racing around. So it's no different than power lines in other places, right? People
1: take advantage 100%. of it. 100%. It's, it's a great place feel. to get out there. Yeah, they feel safe, it's clear. Yeah, can't be used for anything else either, so. Yeah, and
0: the guy in the dirt bike probably shouldn't have been there anyway. Right. <laughs> but, so he says, other than that, it was a great place to run, free of cars and exhaust fumes. Finally, we had run to our limit on the outbound and turned to start heading back. The sun had just dipped below the horizon as we proceeded to must what must have been the half-mile marker on the return. Now, where this woman I'm going to tell you about comes from, I don't know, and I never asked her. She must have begun after we had arrived, following the same pathway down the lines as had we, because we didn't see her when we had started nor during the run. So, there we were, as I said, about a half mile into our return, when we heard some hellish screaming coming out from inside the woods ahead of us and to our right-hand side, and we started to run towards it. I came upon a length of rusty, threaded rod lying in the dirt, no doubt left behind when the power lines were built, and I bent down quickly to grab it my intent being to use it for a weapon if needed. The screaming was intensifying as suddenly a woman came busting out of the woods about 75 yards ahead of us. She didn't see us as she did so, running frantically away in the direction we had come from beginning our run. Nothing, or should I say nobody, Came out behind her in pursuit, and we started shouting at her. I could make her out saying, Run away, it's coming, and she wouldn't stop. So we are running after her while simultaneously expecting something to come out of the tree line at any moment, fully expecting that we might shortly be engaged in some type of altercation ourselves. Well, nothing came out of the woods as we continued pursuing her, occasionally shouting for her to stop so we could help her, which, out of pure exhaustion, she eventually did. The three of us were now all panting, struggling for our collective breath while trying to ask her what was wrong and why she was running and screaming. She first said, Let's keep going while I tell you, I don't want that thing to get us. Now, David had already grabbed a stout length of a tree limb, and as I already said, I had this piece of threaded rod for defense. She said a monster had approached her in the trees while she was relieving herself, if you will, Having moved into the trees to hide, as many of us may be inclined to do from time to time, something had either snuck up on her or was walking towards her, which scared the living daylights out of her. From this point forward, I'll do my best to tell you the words spoken at the time. Her name was Sandra saying that when she was in the most vulnerable of postures, she heard what was a snort or something of the sort, adding that it sounded like a giant hog, startling her and causing her to turn and look. All of this happened when she was right in the middle of her business. As she turned about 50 feet or less from her, was what she described as a massive, hair-covered man-beast. David and I were already wondering what on God's green earth this girl was talking about. She said when she first heard and then saw it, this, quote, man-beast was rocking back and forth while holding onto a branch with one arm, and she screamed. That was the first scream we had heard, and it was a shriek, that much I could tell you. At the time, speaking for myself, I thought a murder was occurring in the woods. It was that frightening. After this initial shriek, we heard more screams in higher and lower intensities as we now know occurred when she began to get up and run away. Sandra said as she was getting up, pulling up her pants, and already beginning to move, it was advancing towards her, she realizing it was limping as it did so. She said in that brief moment, it favored one leg, not running while moving towards her. After that, It was all gas and no brakes, as she put it, running for her life and screaming like a banshee, which is precisely what we both heard and saw with our own eyes and ears. There was absolutely no way that she was not telling us the truth at that moment. You could see it in her eyes and hear it in her voice as she spoke. The entire time, looking down the power lines as she talked to us evidently still expecting something to be coming at us at any moment. She described this thing as being somewhere between eight and ten feet tall, twice the width of what she called an ordinary man, and covered in dark hair, its face being similar to a man's, but not appearing to be human in any, any way other than the fact that it had arms, legs, hands, and a face. We briefly ended our discussion by the vehicles. Her parked where we had parked. Her car parked where we had parked. She wanted no part of sticking around for another 10 seconds at that point, just wanted to get the heck out of there and quick. My own heart rate was up for a good hour after we had spoken to her. David and I had changed the location we ran in after that day's events. She kept using the words beast and monster as she spoke. As you and I know, these words are not generally heard during conversations. (laughs) Touché. However, I had never experienced a person in such a traumatic state in all of my days. Whatever this thing was, it had nearly scared her to death, and quite frankly, may have had that very thing on its mind had it jumped her in the woods that day. We know, Bill, that you are into that whole Bigfoot scene, if you will, and were wondering what you would make of this entire situation as it panned out. I believe now that this woman was approached by a Bigfoot that day in Texas, and it's hard to accept as a human being. I always had thought of it as being some ongoing societal farce of some kind, an old wives' tale of sorts like so many other things. But I have to say, having seen nothing for myself, whatever she experienced that day was Alive and in living
1: color. What do you make of that, Kev? A beast or a monster? It sure sounded like a beast or monster.
0: Yeah, and like he said, these terms are not generally heard in normal conversation. No, no, we we don't kick them around lightly. Beast? I I I can I, I don't even remember using the word beast, I mean locally. Unless in a joking manner, right? You know, about somebody's dog or something. Like I'll say, oh, he looks like a ferocious beast,
1: you know, when he sees that ugly little. Exactly. Joking is different.
0: Yeah. And this woman was evidently, first of all, she was screaming like basically constantly,
1: like a kushdaka, trying to lure you into the woods. Oh, man. But you
0: know, this creature, look, we don't know how far she went into the woods. Right. If I was going in the woods to take care of business, I would just make sure I was out of sight. And these guys weren't even in her sight. So I got to think she didn't go too far into the woods.
1: No, well, and it's some power lines, too. You know, it's. Right. I mean, again, you don't have to be that far into the woods. It's just, you're, you're just trying to get a little out of sight, right? For, for That's a right. brief moment of time.
0: That's right. And she doesn't see anything ahead of her. She doesn't see anything behind her running yeah, she in. She doesn't
1: hear anything. That's it. Right.
0: So she just ducks in, uh, having the urge to go. Yep. And uh, so, what can we say other than that this thing, just talking about beginner's luck or unluck, uh, happened to be where she went in. Maybe it had seen the other two guys go by and it caught his attention and kind of moved up a little bit, you know, to see what they were doing or if when they were going to come back or whatever. But she happened to have just ditched it into the woods right where this thing was. I mean, you know, uh, just incredible, man. 100%. You know, in Texas, you know, that whole big thicket thing, Oklahoma... Uh that whole area down there. Oh, it's got a lot of uh wilderness. Yeah you know. and a lot of activity, so the people yeah. say. No doubt about it. Uh just like Prince of Wales, uh uh in the um in Alaska. the end of yeah. the end of volume ten and in my volume eleven, uh I have some stuff from Prince of Wales, and it's interesting that exhibition Bigfoot. Uh, happens to have chosen that as a destination uh, for this season. Now, I don't know if they're going to stay there. I guess they probably will because there's a lot to look at. Uh, But that area.
1: uh, And it's not like, I mean, what is it, through four episodes so far? It's not like they have a shortage of uh, things going on.
0: No, how about those inverted trees, too? Yeah, that's pretty weird. Uh, Now, I told you, my friend Rich, the retired logger from uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, we were talking probably a couple of years ago about, I had mentioned to him, like, what do you make of these inverted trees? Now, he had told me, and I know I mentioned it to you, Kev, but for the benefit of our listeners, he had told me that uh, when they were up in that area, Uh, logging, Uh, one of his operators, using a very beefy piece of hydraulic equipment, uh, would grab a couple of trees and uh, jam them down into the ground, uh, marking the corners of the unit or area they were taking apart. But when you looked at the trees, first of all, the trees that they came across up there are not in any type of box pattern.
1: Well, and they're not in a logging area, and they have no mechanical scars on them.
0: That's right. That's right. And other people have reported, uh, which I spoke to uh, uh, Rich about, other people had reported Finding trees in very strange locations, like in Northern Montana and places where there's like nothing there where the tree was shoved in the ground, you know right. uh just like rolling pasture land and some adjoining woods and stuff. no place that's ever been logged or would be logged. There's no logs to harvest right, so there are things going on in different locations with these trees. Uh, And what that's all about uh, is beyond me. They're certainly weighty. uh, Even a log like the ones they were looking at uh, in Prince of Wales, what would you say, 10 or 12 feet tall? What was out of the ground? Yeah, 10 or 12 feet. Right. And so how much is in the ground? We don't know. Let's just say there was three feet in the ground and uh, 10 feet out. Yeah. So even a log that big. Uh, somewhat dead or whatever, uh, has substantial weight to it. <laughs> you know, to, to grab it and shove it in if you didn't dig something out first. Uh, it's very odd, you know. Yeah.
1: You notice, too, with those trees, they looked similar. They did. They did, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one was bigger than the other, but they did look similar. Right, right. Their age was definitely similar. Yeah. You yeah, know, the silvering would, in and the there gray for the same amount of time. I mean, it looked almost like driftwood. I know it's exactly. not driftwood, but
0: exactly. That's
1: what they look and, like. And uh so pretty uh, this story in
0: Texas though, huh?
1: Mm.
0: Uh r- r- freak me out, you know, when you hear these things, man, you know. And folks, this is why I always say always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Because you don't know when the tide or the table may be turned, and you'll be wishing you had something for defense. Now, this guy had picked up a
1: rusty piece of threaded rod. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was chuckling, Bill, when I was listening to the account. I'm like, what are you going to do with that? Well, I mean,
0: you could swing it. You'd certainly put the sting on something if you whacked it with it. You're close enough
1: to hit a bigfoot with a piece of threaded rod, you're dead. Yeah, you probably Maybe you could throw it at him while you run the other way. <laughs> yeah, and hope it spins around and hits him. Hits him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, like
0: that story we had from the uh, Mount Rose Night Trail encounter. Yeah. Boy, that was a freaky deeky thing, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh that guy flipping flipping that ski pole. Yeah. Uh but Hey, you know, such is the nature of Bigfoot, you know. Sometimes they see them walking by and sometimes they're trying to engage somebody and freaking them out, you know. 100%. You can't blame anybody. uh, I mean, you can say what you want, men and women and ladies and gentlemen out there. Uh, I got to tell you, if some freaking Bigfoot snuck up on me unaware, I think what's left of my hair would stand up and you'd be freaking out, man. You're not gonna. Don't think you're gonna be like a Spider-Man shooting a web. Anybody into the says tree.
1: that they're not going to be freaking out is full of baloney. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, baloney. No, but I mean, if nothing else, you're seeing something like the police officer up in Whitehall, New York, said. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're seeing something that you had thought and learned your whole life did not exist, and it's right in front of you. I mean, that's going to freak you out just by that. Yeah, and now what do Forget you think Forget about fearing for your life and everything else, which is easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. But just seeing something that you thought was impossible to see. Well, you know what you're supposed to do, Kev? You
0: immediately reach for your camera. And don't shake, uh, for goodness to, sake. To get a couple of good
1: shots while it's there, you know. Yeah, because you got to verify to people that it wasn't actually a bear. Because <laughs> the first thing they're going to say when you tell someone is, oh, it was probably a bear.
0: Yeah, standing up and, you
1: know. Uh, it just a, looked like a, minish- a honey
0: pot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So that was pretty
1: cool. Kev, what do we have in our Listener Mail segment? Yeah, we got some good Listener Mail. So Johnny in the UK. Johnny. Says, thanks for a great show. Greetings from the UK. Seriously, guys, a massive thank you for keeping me entertained on a daily basis. It's fantastic how you change from having a conversation about the big man and end up talking about something totally random and unconnected. (laughs) Yeah, Johnny, I'm sorry about that, by the way. (laughs) and Johnny writes, the only thing that worries me is Bill's need for guns. Is it really that scary out there in the States? (laughs) Keep it going, guys. You make a lot of people smile all over the world. Bravo, or should I say, in the wise words of Billy, kudos. Kudos, bro. <laughs> Good stuff. Well,
0: and I, I responded back to Johnny briefly in the email, the guns are for the Bigfoot, uh, not for the people, not my friend. Not
1: for anything else, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's a self-defense uh, apparatus.
1: All right, Bill, and this next one is short and sweet and aimed right at you. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Charles, he doesn't say where he's from, but he says, Hello, guys, very interesting podcast. Keep them coming. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of a report of a Bigfoot on Long Island?
0: That's it, huh? That's it. Yeah, no, Charles. Uh, Long Island. Too small uh, of
1: a place, right?
0: Well, I'm not saying... You know, who knows, Kev? There could have been a creature here, you know, 500 years ago. Oh, sure. Uh, But uh, Long Island, as it's currently constituted, first of all, was surrounded by the Long Island Sound and the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, The only way off of the island is to head into the boroughs, uh, which are connected to the city at large, which is densely populated, concrete,
1: jungle. That said, a Bigfoot could probably walk across Manhattan and no one would look twice.
0: Nobody would notice. They'd think it was some guy filming a a sitcom or something. (laughs) And really, uh, Charles, the only way to get off here is uh, through uh, a couple of tunnels and definitely uh, over some type of bridge. So... uh, I don't, you know, first of all, there are no reports of Bigfoot uh, on Long Island. And if anyone's seen one, it's probably some type of demon from hell uh, (laughs) that just appeared, not some animal living out here. Exactly. You know, I mean, we have a lot of deer out here, Kev, that they could certainly chow down on and other critters, but uh, it's not uh, habitat for a Bigfoot in any way. No, no.
1: But uh, but thanks for chiming in, Charles. You know, good question, good question. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have one here, Bill. We've heard about a lot, but we keep getting letters about it, so I'm going mm-hmm. to uh, talk about it one more time. So this comes from Matthew, and okay. the subject's a little different. He calls it the TikTok Bigfoot screen. He's like, "Hey guys, wondering if you've seen this before." And folks, this is that video we've covered it before in listener mail, where. There's a guy who's, like, harvesting mushrooms from a log that has fallen down in the forest. And he's talking about the mushrooms and this and that. And then you hear this, like, free train of a dinosaur howl in the background that he's recording. Mm -hmm. And it's real interesting, folks. Like, one of the television shows, I forget the one, maybe it was Beyond Skinwalker or something like that. They picked up on this video and they had like these sound experts analyze it and they traced the sound. It matched perfectly to like the sound fingerprint of a dinosaur from like an 80s television show. Okay, so it was totally fake, you know. I yeah, mean, so and, they
0: had they had done a match yes, a, a sound basically a sound analysis effects analysis match. match.
1: And got, like, a 99% match to the sound of a dinosaur from some science fiction TV show. Yeah. So that's the same one, Matthew. Sorry. It is pretty cool, and the guys out there harvesting these mushrooms, but it's bogus.
0: Yeah, and it is cool, right? It's entertaining, but it's it's muddying the waters. Yes. So uh, you get a lot of hits on YouTube. Uh, I don't know, maybe you get 10 bucks for that, and uh, you're better off going to work. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that out there, and uh, as I say, it's entertaining, but to what end, I don't know. You know, there are plenty of people out there who are having... Uh, reportedly real experiences, real sightings, real encounters. Uh, and I'm interviewing people on a regular basis. I mean, I've been talking to some people, man. Some guy sent me some pictures yesterday, Kev. Yeah. He thinks this thing is a swamp ape. Uh, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking this is some type of demon from the pit <laughs> of hell. And he ran into this, and... In, uh, I don't have the paper in front of me. Uh, Herkima, something Herkima wildlife management area in Florida. Mm. And I'm telling you, man, this thing, I, I, I'm i not convinced this might not be a freaking mothman or something. Mm. It's that freaky. And you're just hearing about it now, Kev. I've got to forward you these pictures. I'm
1: not sure I want to see the pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's... this uh, I got now, that de- I was talking- I got that Demon from Hell filter set up. It may not come in. <laughs> uh, well, I was talking
0: to, and by the way, Nelson and Jamie, if you're listening to this, hello and uh, speedy recovery to my buddy Nelson. Uh, I was sharing the pictures with them earlier today, and we spent a good half an hour looking at it together on our collective uh, iPhones and kicking it around, and There was something really good. If this thing wasn't photoshopped uh, in some way, uh, I I don't know what's going on uh, with that. And by the way, while I'm talking about photoshopping, Kev, let me throw something out to our audience. If you are any type of digital expert at uh, taking apart film or determining if something is fake or real, I'd like to forward you this thing. And you tell me what you think. Mm. So you could contact us at uh, the com website. Hit the contact link. Give me your phone number. Tell me who you are. And I'd be happy to get in touch with you and let you have a look at this and tell me what you think with your uh, film or editing uh, expertise. Very strange
1: indeed, Kev. Yeah, very, very strange very indeed. Very cool. Yeah, all right. Yep. Send it over. Let's take a look. I won't look before I go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Bill. And our last email comes in from our field correspondent, Rick, in Ohio. But about 10 other people sent the same story. And uh, this is pretty cool. I'll probably cover it in the next podcast or so, uh, as long as it you know looks uh, fully credible but basically, uh, across the uh, internet, there's been this news story of these ancient alien bodies being on display in Mexico's Congress, mm-hmm. and them having some hearings about these alien bodies that were found with three-fingered hands, unknown DNA, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I guess they were found in Peru. Mm-hmm. And they are freaky-deaky, so... Uh, Um, Thanks, Rick, uh, our great field correspondent and others that sent in the same story. Um, We're going to look deeper into that. And if there's something there, you might hear me talking about it. Yeah. Now, Kev, you know, I've said
0: this in the past that uh, obviously uh, my wife, Paula, was uh, Spanish from Central America. Uh, I used to watch a lot of Spanish TV with her. I shouldn't say a lot, but we used to watch it. And they were very free with their uh, news networks, uh, presenting stuff that's outside of the norm. Uh, very open societally to presenting these things, and not with a laugh and a chuckle necessarily. Uh, point poking fun at them, right? Uh, they would just put them out there, you know, which I think is a legitimate thing to do. Yep. You, you know, what's with all the secrecy? Let us let us see it, and let us make our own decisions. You know, but uh, it doesn't surprise me that they would get a hold of this. What was that other little critter you were talking about a couple of months back from down there in Mexico? Not Chupacabra. You, um, that little thing, it was. It came from that
1: story about the president saying he saw a fairy in a tree oh, yeah, or something? Yeah, 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 I forget what that thing was called, but yeah, I recall that. Yeah. I mean, don't forget, there's been over 200 of these cryptids. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a
0: lot. There's a lot going on, you know, and uh, things keep being observed and reported. So
1: away we go. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. So is that it, bro? That's it for this week, Bill. So thanks, folks, uh, for sending in your email. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those five-star reviews. And if you haven't given us a five-star review lately, please do so. It's one of the only ways we have of attracting new listeners to the podcast. And thank you also for those fantastic written reviews. Um, We really enjoy it, and it helps kind of recharge our batteries when we read them.
0: Yeah, and folks, uh, go to YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. Listen to it once in a while. You can click on our episodes. Uh, Kev, I'm shocked. There's like... I don't know how many subscribers. It's not many. and on compared, YouTube. Yeah, compared
1: to our audience, it's like, people, what are you doing? Well, but it's the same content, Bill. So, you know, if people know us here if they like us on their podcast player. I know I typically listen to podcasts on podcast players, not on YouTube. But yeah. it's a mixed audience out there. You
0: yeah, know? I, yeah I, I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that i just like to see some people respond to the call, like when I ask them to go
1: out and buy a hundred books.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, very few people buy a hundred books at a really, time. Bill, I don't understand if you had a that.
1: choice, I, I have to ask you, to subscribe to the YouTube channel or buy a hundred books? You'd want them to buy a hundred books, right? Well, I'd want them to do both. Okay. Well, yeah, you're you kind know. of a tough customer. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Bill. All right, folks, and... You know, if you should find yourselves uh, taking a little vacay on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska, you better remember one thing, folks. Always carry more gun. And that includes you, Charles, in the UK. Johnny, Johnny in the UK. Johnny in the UK. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.